Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 15. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned to the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where he was, where, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. At the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on, a, on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. But Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, we're continuing our series this morning in Coffee with God. This morning is about don't take the bait. Now, interesting that with all that is taking place and the chaos and, and such that we are dealing with and watching, that it's a perfect title. The neat thing is, is that this is a sermon that I wrote years ago. <clears throat> Sometimes you just write this stuff out, and then the Lord lets you know when it's time to speak on it, when it's time to preach on it, and His timing is a lot better than mine. <clears throat> but this is one of my favorite passages, as I mentioned, and, and I am so excited to be able to, to talk about this and share the things that the Lord has shared with me about this passage. The story goes that Jesus is taken into the wilderness. And the 
these temptations of the enemy come at him, and he walks through those temptations and then moves out of the wilderness into what we see and understand through the Gospels is more of his ministry where people really begin to see and understand who he is. And it's, it's neat because as we become Christians and, and, the, and the Lord comes and lives in our lives, then it is our job to be out and be light in the community. We're to be light of the world, correct? And people are to see Jesus and God through us and who we are and what we do. And this is a great example of a lot of the things that God does in preparing us to be used by him for people to see him through us. One of the things that we need to remember is that Jesus is in the wilderness. Now, when we talk about the wilderness, right off the bat, most of us think that is not some place that I want to be. I, d I don't want to be in the wilderness. Because one of the first thoughts that we have about the wilderness is that it's a negative. The wilderness is a negative thing, right? Mainly we think that way, especially when we're talking about things in church, because the one group of people that we know of that got sent into the wilderness was sent there because they did something wrong, right? So, so if, if I'm going to the wilderness, or if I'm in the wilderness, then <laughs> I must have done something wrong. We go to the wilderness by default, okay? You get in trouble, go to the wilderness. You get in trouble, go to the corner. You get in, the, you know, you get in trouble, you're on restriction. You know, it, it just, it goes hand in hand. You do something wrong, and you're going to get put in your own little wilderness. It doesn't matter if you can't go spend time with your friends, or if you lose your screens, or whatever it is. Because you've done something wrong, you go to the wilderness. And that's ingrained in us. We understand that, right? Let me add a little bit of this to the story here. Man, guys, this is good. I just, I really, I love it. Because this, this part of the story, Jesus is sent into the wilderness, right? We can never forget what happened to Christ prior to going into the wilderness. And here's what happened. He goes to the River Jordan. John is baptizing. Right? Remember this picture? This is where we see the Trinity come in. So John is baptizing. Jesus walks up, and John's like, oh, man, I, I, I can't baptize you. And Jesus says, yes, this has to happen. So here we have Jesus going to get baptized. His father says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. The Holy Spirit comes down on top of him and Jesus comes up out of the Jordan and goes straight to the wilderness. Church, we don't always go into the wilderness because of default. Sometimes he takes us there out of delight. Do you hear what I'm saying? Sometimes God allows us and takes us and leads us into the wilderness because he delights in us. You see, God just said to Jesus, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. I delight in you. 
Now let's go into the wilderness. The first verse in Luke 4, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led by the Spirit into the desert. He had just heard from his Father, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. The Spirit that came down upon him filled him. That word filled is um, like if a surface is completely covered. If, if, have you ever had that, a moment in your life when your soul is just completely permeated? It could be the birth of your child. It could be your wedding day. It could be when someone comes up that, that you admire and they encourage you, but your heart is full. You're filled up. That is what, he, what this word full, he was full of the Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit had just descended upon him and filled him, and he was led into the wilderness full of the Spirit. He was full. Oftentimes I relate it to my own life in that um, through my ed time of education, I have a degree in youth ministry and I have a master's degree in... <laughs> gracious. A master's degree in what I can't... It's not memory, is it? <laughs> of divinity, BB. I have a master's degree of divinity. <laughs> it's been too long. But so I, it's like I have all this information and I feel like that I have been filled with this information and, and understanding and knowledge. And, and here, Jesus is, is filled with the Spirit. And he goes into the wilderness. So, another thought that we allow ourselves to be trapped in is the thought of, if God is pleased with me, then everything's going to go right. If God is pleased with me, everything is going to go right. Okay, no, y you guys are with me. No, would it be nice? Yes. Is that the way it is? No. So, so here in this Example and this snapshot of 40 days or so into Jesus' life, we're, we're running into things that we would like to be true, but isn't exactly how it works in God's kingdom and his relationship with us. The first is that we don't go into the wilderness unless we've done something wrong, and that's not true. Sometimes we are led into the wilderness out of God's pure delight in who we are. And we'll see as we walk through here, you know, one of the things that, that Jesus did was he was spending time one-on-one -on -one with his dad, with the father. But the other is that, well, if God is pleased with me, then everything's going to go right. And this is a perfect example is that that's not true either. So Jesus is in the wilderness and he's not eating for 40 days. And during that time, the devil comes at him. 
and he's tempted. And we're all tempted on several fronts and on different fronts. But I'm going to point out a few things about Jesus' temptations and how they fit in our own lives. So the first temptation is, the, the enemy says and the devil says to Jesus, take that stone and turn it to bread. Now, if it, was, if it was me and I'm out there in the wilderness and I haven't eaten for 40 days, let me tell you something, I would not be turning stone into bread. It's going to be like a big, thick crust pizza, uh, you know, smoked brisket, <laughs> you know, something along those lines. It's not going to be bread. If I'm going to do that and I'm going to turn a stone into something, it's going to be something <laughs> that this old boy's been craving for 40 days. Jesus says no. Here's, here's the point about this first temptation. There are things that go wrong in our lives. And what the enemy has done to Jesus here is he's hitting him where it hurts. I know you're hungry. I know you're starving. Why don't you go ahead and do that? Turn the stone into bread. What, what the devil is saying here is you have the control and power to fix it. Go ahead. Take it out of God's hands. Remember, he was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. He was there to spend time with the Lord. That He was there to spend time with God. It was his focus and his purpose of being there was to be submitted and surrendered to the Father. So there are times when we're in tough situations, and even if it's just one situation, we could look at that as our wilderness, and sometimes we have the ability and the power to fix it. The question is, are you going to follow God's lead on it, or are you going to take control out of His hands and take care of it yourself? Church, that's surrender. When you leave it in the Lord's hands, and you let Him work it through, that is where your trust deepens with Him. Can I put my hand to my issues and fix them? A lot of them I can. Well, you know, God helps those who help themselves. What are you doing about it? Church, that's not in here. That, that, is, not, that, that is not in here. Submission and surrender to the Almighty is what God is looking for. You so see, in our wilderness times, God will take us into wildernesses when he is pleased with us because that is also an opportune time to grow, to become more mature, to tighten our relationship with God, to deepen that trust with him. So a lot of times our temptations are, well, you can handle it, go do it on yourself. Take it upon yourself. You take control. Maybe it's a tough situation at work. Maybe it's a relational issue. Well, you know what? If I just told him this, 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 and this, man, I'd fix it and be done. And God's like, <laughs> please don't open your mouth. Let me work on their heart. 
let me do this. Let me do this. I don't need you to fix it. Because if you fix it, then there's one more thing that I need to <laughs> fix, is what God oftentimes tells me. But you don't fix it. Let me. So that first temptation is really fix it yourself. Fix it yourself. They go on to the second temptation. The devil takes him high to a high place and showed him all the kingdoms. And he says, I have the authority and I'll give it to you if you worship me. Who was Jesus? God. So here, the, the enemy is looking at, at Christ and saying, I need you to forget your identity. Forget who you are. Let me help you. Forget who you are. You're not who you think you are. All of that comes into play in our lives. We think and for, or we forget at times who we are and whose we are. Jesus had authority over all of those kingdoms the entire time. But the lie comes in. We're tempted to forget who we are. We're tempted to... Three words. Abdicate our authority. We're tempted to surrender my rights as a child of God. So if I'm in a, a tough situation, um, a personal situation, and I let go of my authority in Christ to be able to speak into that situation and ask for God to come alongside me and help me in that situation, and I surrender it over to the enemy and just go, <clears throat> whatever you think's best, whatever you want to do, I'm tempted to let go of who God designed me to be. That doesn't do a father's heart very well. It would break my heart if my children said, well, you know, I just let the bully just run me over because, you know, I'm just not worth that fight. And I'm like, son, do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? The enemy strips us and attempts to strip us of who we are, to forget who we are. That doesn't do God's heart well. It does not do God's heart well. Because you know what? He sent his son to die for you. If you're worth dying for, you're worth living in your identity of whose you are. Do you follow me? You're worth it. Stand your ground. Stand who you are. And don't let the enemy lie to you that you're nothing. Because that is the lie. Temptation three. 
the devil took him to the highest point on the temple and said, throw yourself off. Jesus said, don't put the Lord to the test. Prove to me, the devil says, that you are who you say you are. Now, nine times out of ten, if somebody comes up and says to me, prove to me that you <laughs> have gone to seminary. Well, that was a struggle a few moments ago. <clears throat> prove to me, Ian, that, that what, who you say you are or what you do is true. Prove to me. Well, automatically, we're going to start whipping out our credentials, right? Check here, here's my proof, here's this, here's this. Our whole lives are filled with that. You get, you have to prove your license. You have to prove this. You have to prove that you've had shot records. You have to prove, you've got to prove, you've got to prove. All of those different things. <clears throat> Jesus never took the bait. There was nothing to prove. The temptation is, do you trust God or not? The Bible says this. Throw yourself off of the temple because the Bible says that the angels will come save you. If somebody's asking me to prove who God is, do I have to prove who he is or will he prove, him, prove it himself? The fear that comes over me if I have to produce my credentials is, well, what if they don't believe me? So there's a fear that we deal with, but there's a trust factor that God is who he says he is, and he will show himself strong. So we're tempted oftentimes to feel like we have to step in and prove who God is. Sometimes God uses us to prove who he is, but other times, for the most part, God will handle himself. God will handle himself. And here we are in a society today, right now, dealing with this coronavirus. Will God prove himself strong? Yes. He will. Is it my job to prove how strong he is? No. Do I get to be available for him to use me to show himself strong? Yes. Yes. We are here to put God on display. He doesn't need me to prove his worth, his value, his strength, his power. But he wants to use me. After this, the devil left. Verse 13, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Opportune time. He left him until an opportune time. 
This says a lot about the enemy, and this says a lot about God. You see, Jesus is in the wilderness, and he's coming up out of the wilderness. He hasn't eaten for 40 days and has been tempted during that time. Did the devil get frustrated? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say, but it says that he left Jesus. And in Matthew, it says that once the devil left, the angels came and attended to Christ. So what does that tell us about our wilderness experiences? It tells us that sometimes our wilderness experiences are, yes, about spending time one-on-one with the Lord, but they're also about growing. They're also about maturing. They're also about being strengthened. It also tells us that God is in control. It tells us that the angels are waiting for the Lord, for God to release them to come and attend to us and take care of us. It also tells us about the enemy that Satan is strategic because Satan left him until an opportune time. That means that the enemy is watching because guess what? He's coming back. We know that. God knows that. And God is allowing that because he's taking what the enemy is trying to destroy us with And he is creating us into stronger, more mature, more effective warriors for him. But the battle will come back. Because even Satan is waiting for an opportune time. That means he's watching. It's calculated. Jesus passed through these temptations... And he left the wilderness, and he returned to Galilee, it says in verse 14. And he returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. News spread about him throughout the whole countryside, and he taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. You see, the difference here in him coming out of the wilderness is that he came out in power. He went into the wilderness, remember we talked about that, and he went into the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit, full, to be filled. A surface that is completely covered, a heart that is completely full, a soul that has been permeated. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And he goes through these temptations, he spends this time one-on-one, and he comes out in the power. Now, one of the key things to that, we talked about Jesus fasting during that time. He didn't eat for 40 days. You see, one of the keys in moving through your wilderness is being willing to sacrifice that which you believe is your essence. If you believe that food is your essence, Jesus set that aside. So, in points, our sacrifice is key to our maturing. Our sacrifice is key to our success. So, Jesus comes out in the power of the Spirit. That word power there in Greek is dunamis, okay? That's the same word we get dynamite from, okay? Explosive, power, dunamis, force. So it's like being, Jesus was filled with the Spirit, and he came out in the power. So it goes from internal filling to external power. 
And that is when his ministry took off because he began teaching, he began going through the countrysides, and people began to know who he was and follow him. And what they were searching for wasn't what was happening externally, but they wanted the truth of the internal. You see, for myself, it's this understanding that I have all of this knowledge, and I'm filled with this knowledge. And for years, I felt like I've just been filling my, my heart and soul and brain with all of this knowledge and this understanding. And now, even as I sit here today, we're seeing the external movement of what's been taking place internally over the years. And see, that's each one of us. The things that God is teaching and training us in and the things that we are filling ourselves up with, our skills, our gifts, our talents, our understanding, our knowledge, there's a point in time when it becomes external and it begins to move externally. And you go from the one that's that's hidden internally to the one that's moving externally. But that movement and that force and that power that goes out into those around you is from what God has been doing on the inside for those years. So Jesus goes from being full of the Spirit, he goes into his wilderness because God delights so deeply in him, comes face to face with the enemy, plows through those challenges, and then is released to draw the people unto himself. When we take the bait of our temptation, it slows all of this down. Does God disregard us? By no means. Will we fail? Probably. That's why God is full of grace and mercy, and he is abundant in love. This isn't about perfection. This isn't about perfection. This is about walking through and learning what God has to teach us for that time, for that day, for that moment, for that season. You see, 40 days with the enemy seems pretty tough, doesn't it? Because guess what? We know he's coming back. Because The enemy is coming back because he's waiting for an opportune time. Now, the word opportune in the Greek also means season. We know seasons around here, right? Sometimes they all flow together. It's like 70 degrees one day and it's snowing the next night. But, but we do have our seasons, especially as far as dealing with, with the land. And we understand season of harvest. We understand season of plowing. We understand that. But there's a, a season that we face. Jesus was in the wilderness for a season, 40 days. Nobody wants to be in a wilderness 40 days wrestling the enemy. You don't want that. But after you come out of that season and you see how you've grown, you see how you've matured, you see that you can handle the fight, and you see what God has done in you and through you during that season, then you know what? The next season isn't so bad. Because there's things that you learn. You learn that God is who he says he is. He's all-powerful. He is in control. He loves you dearly, and he will defend you if you let him if you don't take it upon yourself to fix it. 
Because, see, that's where our trust builds in him. And when our trust builds in him, guess what? Our faith increases. And then we continue to build, we continue to grow. You see, our wildernesses aren't simply because we've done something wrong. Sometimes our wildernesses are because he delights solely and truly in who we are. We live in interesting times. The church is getting stronger. The church is getting stronger. The enemy is panicking. So we're going to see more chaos. We're going to see more anger. We're going to see, make a list. You're going to see it. It's coming. But the church is growing. This church is, is a teaching to understand that sometimes we feel cast out into the wilderness. Maybe you've been led there by God. Because he delights in you, he wants to teach you, he wants to train you because of what's coming. Church, I'm here to tell you, embrace the wildernesses. As hard as it may be, as difficult as it may seem, you're not alone. You haven't been cast out into the wilderness. You've been led out by the Holy Spirit. Embrace your time. Learn everything you can from it. If you fail Ask for forgiveness, get up, and move on. It's okay. Because he loves you, he trusts you, he wants you to be a part of all of what he's doing. He really does. It is worth it. Our wildernesses can be because... He delights in us. Don't be afraid to sacrifice. It may be difficult, but it is worth it. Sometimes our sacrifice.